2: Introducing the new Starbucks Pistachio Cream Cold Brew. Silky Pistachio Cream Cold Foam tops our bold, smooth, cold brew for a delicious twist on a favorite winter flavor. Make today a good day. Order ahead on the Starbucks app.
0: Welcome back to Almost Famous Minute, where we're discussing the 2000 Cameron Crowe film Almost Famous, one minute at a time. I'm Eric Nash from Watchmen Minute.
1: I am Casey Likes from Almost Famous, the musical. And today from Stand Upville, we have...
2: (laughs) Uh, My name is Christian Finnegan, and I am a professional humorist, which is a funny way of saying uh, not that funny of a comedian. Um Yeah, no, I, I uh done some TV and stuff. I have four albums on iTunes. My latest album is oh, called wow. 60% joking. Please buy it or stream it if you want to be a cheapskate.
1: <laughs>
2: Thank you so much, Christian, for
0: uh jumping in here. And I think I think our connection, uh uh Paul Sully Sullivan, uh he uh he indicated I think you're a pretty pretty big fan of the movie, and that's why he thought it'd be it'd make sense for you to come on.
2: I am, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was a Cameron Co- Crowe fan uh, from be- way before that. I mean, I was a Say Anything fan, and obviously it was a Fast Time at Ridgemont High fan. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, there's a thing about Cameron Crowe, the thing that people mock him for oh. is the thing that I kind of like, that sort of bittersweet, happy, mm-hmm. sad thing that he does. <laughs> uh, I'm a sucker for that, you know. Uh, the Whites brothers too kind of have that same like movies like In Good Company have that sort of vibe. Um, but yeah, and, and I'm a music dork and every sort of musical touchstone that is mentioned in this movie is <laughs> something that I care about. So it felt when Almost Famous came out like it, this was a movie being made specifically for my benefit, which I appreciate it
0: that's very cool and yeah and, and uh and like 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 I've already like we've already heard uh Casey is is back uh like I said for as a kind of unofficial no responsibility co-host and I really appreciate that we had a great minute last time with uh with David really doing doing really well no no pressure Casey <laughs> doing really well as a co-host and getting some great, great I questions really great questions for you I think <laughs>
1: right but we're not well i think I, I think i would say that i've put in the years to become this co-host position <laughs> yep. um really i really put in the work i'm really i'm really happy i have made it this far thank you <laughs> you're welcome um so uh today is minute 69
0: and it starts with ben offering a thousand more words and ends with william taking
2: the laundry It's really difficult for me as a comedian to not make a minute 69 joke, but I'm going to forego it because we are professionals and adults.
1: We did talk about this last time after the deflowering scene.
2: Let's just say this podcast is nice. (laughs) Annie (laughs) Hoozle. Sorry, as you
0: were. Oh no, it's fine. Um, yeah, so I mean, we're hearing right off the bat, you know, uh, Ben continuing his uh, his uh, you know enticement kind of maybe to to William. Uh, you know, he's going to try and get William a thousand more words. So, and we previously know. I mean, unless he unless there maybe may have been a time in between where a deleted scene, but I mean, I've, I've been covering the deleted scenes pretty well um, too. Uh, that there. End up on the untitled cut, which, which uh, I don't know if either of you are are, are familiar enough. I mean, I Christian, mm.
2: I think you might be. I, I really am not, actually. Surprisingly, it's an additional forty two minutes. Yeah. See, I and have that, a thing. Yeah. I, I have a general rule. I don't want to hear unreleased tracks. I don't want to see extended versions wow. of movies. I am mm-hmm. opposed to them in theory because my feeling is if the artist or the director or the band or whatever wanted them to be released a certain way, then they would have. And I know that obviously sometimes there can be studio interference yeah. and things like that. But I mean, I'm not saying I'm like vehemently against it. But I, you know, when there are posthumous albums released or you know the director's cuts of movies, like I, I'm not so much interested. I, I, I like I like sort of singular versions of pieces of art, mm-hmm. and I, I'm sometimes I feel like those sort of uh, extended releases can be a bit of a, a, a wormhole and can kind of diminish the impact of a piece of art. But hmm. that's just my silly little opinion. Yeah.
0: Well, let, let me let me entice you a little bit because what I'll you know I'm saying this forty two extra minutes and that doesn't even include a, like a, a almost a, almost about twelve minute scene with uh, stairway to heaven being played in full. <laughs>
2: <laughs> really?
0: You know? Yeah. So and Williams, you know, trying to. uh make sure his mother lets him do this
2: now i do wonder did was that edit was that cut out because cameron crowe decided it didn't work in the movie or did led zeppelin say right. give us 10 million dollars i don't know about 10 million but uh yeah it was yeah <laughs> they're that notorious. was the, that was the one track
0: you know that they didn't want used
2: but also you know, they, though it's like yeah they i mean yeah misty mountain hop i know is, is in the movie yeah. uh so it's like obviously they did get some clearance from led zeppelin but they're notorious in terms of you know Cracking down on YouTube clips and you know their uh, their they're blockers big mm-hmm. time, uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if the the price tag on Starwood Heaven made it a little cost prohibitive. But you know the untitled version it's called it's not even called really
0: almost famous although there are places that list it as almost famous the bootleg cut or what have you. But mm-hmm. and and that that was, that was that and that's the title he wanted for the movie as well so it was it was untitled, um, but. The reason it exists the, the, and the footage was shot was because uh, Crow showed uh, Steven Spielberg the script and Spielberg said, you know, shoot every line of this. Hmm. Don't don't, you know, even though it'll get cut down for, you know, theatrical purposes to be a reasonable length. Right. You know, you're, you're, you're going to be disappointed later on. If you don't shoot every every minute,
2: yeah. Now, now I guess I, I've already gone back on yeah. my
0: pledge. Yeah. Now I want to watch. Go watch <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, you. <laughs> you really should. And and you know, a big reason for me not to is, I mean, you know, it was length and, a lot, and the the one other movie I've done this way is Watchmen, and we did choose my co-host and I there did choose the the middle of the three <laughs> different possibilities, the the uh, director's cut.
2: I mean, if you, if you were to watch every minute of a Zack Snyder movie that Zack Snyder yeah. wanted included, you'd still be watching it now and it would just be 14 hours of slow motion.
0: <laughs>
2: That's right. Sorry. Um, can't Can't argue. Can't can't argue. I, I, I love that movie, but and, and most of his others. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I, uh. I will, how, how, where is that available? Is it, is it something you can stream or do you have to buy like a bootleg DVD somewhere?
0: No, no. Uh, I came officially out, came out officially uh, on, I got it on Blu-ray off of Amazon. Oh, really? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to track that down.
0: So, so then Ben says it's, it's in consideration for the cover, you know, and this is where are talking about Rolling Stone Magazine. Some people like that I have had come in, <laughs> um, like my former co-host a couple of weeks ago. Um from watching him a minute he, he still hasn't seen this whole movie. <laughs> he's just come <laughs> in for a few minutes here here or there um when I've asked him, and he's been real real great about doing that but um you know uh you know, and he previously wrote and that's why I was kind of getting out a little bit before too is is he previously wrote for Lester bang's a thousand words, and as far as we know, three thousand words was what this article is supposed to be, and so now, supposedly unless there was other. More previous you know uh, increases in the number of words this is now a four thousand so a third more
2: (laughs) yeah you know and i don't i don't if you i don't know if you want to recount the entire minute or if i should just jump in oh yeah yeah uh, yeah, we can jump around well i you know obviously everybody knows anybody who cares about this movie knows that it's loosely based on cameron crowe's actual teenage experience but sometimes I feel like that whole "based on my real life" or "based on a true story" can be a bit of a uh, a cover for some unrealistic sort of yeah. things. I I seriously doubt that his very first story, sight unseen for Rolling Stone, <laughs> was offered the cover. Like, and I get it; it, it, it creates a dramatic arc. You have to. Oh, yeah. I, I don't expect movies to be "quote unquote" like picture realistic, <laughs> but the idea that you know whatever, a few weeks after they had a phone conversation with some guy that they'd never met in person, never, he had never written for them before that they would all of a sudden just dump, Oh, by the way, we're going to put you on the cover of Rolling Stone. Like no responsible business would work like that.
1: Well, I, I actually have an, I have an answer to this one. Um, oh, please. Cause I had to, uh, I had, these are the questions I have to ask as yeah. playing William. Um, and, uh, and yeah, you're, you're right. Um, unless I, uh, unless I heard it wrong, his, his first story for Rolling Stone was not about, uh, was not on the cover. However, uh, getting on the cover was his dream, um, as a writer. And, and that's a whole different story for another day about, you know, when, when he achieved that dream, he was like, Oh well, I guess I'll make movies now. But that's that's that basically. I mean, it's, it's so funny. Wow. Um, it's so funny. But the the reason he put it in this and it had to be the cover in this is because um, the dream kept advancing. It was uh, it was a first um, that he just wanted to write for Rolling Stone, and then the next dream was that he um, wanted to write a a feature for Rolling Stone, and then and then. The next dream was that he wanted to cover. And then the next dream after that was he wanted to cover with his name on it. So all of those dreams are represented in this movie in, as one story. They just keep sure. advancing. So instead of him like getting new jobs that advance that dream, it is, it is the same job that just keep changing the importance of it.
2: Yeah, I, I get it from a dramatic arc perspective, like, you you know, you want to heighten the stakes to, a, you know, uh, that sort of moves the action forward. But it does, like, there's nothing in any of the conversations between William and Ben Bong Torres that would lead any responsible editor to be like, you know what, I'm going to put this guy on the cover. You know what I mean? Like, based on these cream Magazine articles, that's the only work. Uh, ostensibly that they have read of his these little short articles like you know as William says like I've only I've never written more than a, yeah. you know, a few hundred words or a thousand words like that is all that's a bit of a logical leap to assume that Rolling Stone magazine be like oh yeah we're going to completely stake our credibility on this dude mm-hmm. we've never met and has never written anything that we yeah know it's a,
1: over a, it's, a le- it's a leap but you know also I think I guess if you were to ever ask anyone about it I guess the the explanation might be that That fever dog was blowing up so big at the time of it that it was like, I mean, yeah, a very, very big leap and probably not very professional or smart as they learn, especially at the end. Yeah. um, When they realize he's a fucking kid. But um, they definitely, it's like, it's like he's the only kid out there with Stillwater right now. He's the only person that can possibly get a Russell Hammond interview.
2: But it feels no. to me like if they were going to, if they made the determination, like, "Hey, you know what? We want Stillwater on the cover." That's the point when I've been like, "Hey, buddy, thanks, but we're sending in one of the pros now." <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, right, right. <laughs> yeah. like they could have sent one of their guys to meet up with them in New York when when they get when Stillwater gets to New York. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like maybe oh. Greenville, maybe not. But you know, <laughs> uh, later on the tour, I'm sure they probably could have sent one of the uh, you know Huntress Thompson or whoever the other big guns were. I don't think Hunter Hunter S. Thompson ever wrote about music, but
0: um, there there. So there is the idea. I think that though that uh, you know the the one the the one thing that really seems to grab Ben is the 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 think piece line. <laughs> so I mean, you yeah, know, and that's that. Yeah, that I certainly agree that that is. I mean, he, he got so turned on by that, just like Lester said he would, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so. And so, obviously yeah, it's a, that's a bit
2: of an inside slam, you know, among yeah. journalists, I'm sure, you know, it's like, here's a dumb, you know, and anybody who's on Twitter who follows a lot of journalists on Twitter, you see not necessarily yeah. the word think piece, but, you know, use you long read, you know, you see these terms that they throw around almost like mocking oh. their own profession that, you know, <laughs> the, uh, so I, I always kind of like that, you know, the think piece idea being like, Oh, that'll get them. But, <laughs> but this dude, uh, Terry Chen, the guy who yeah. played, uh, Ben Fong Torres a quintessential that guy Mm
0: -hmm.
2: you know uh one of those guys where you've seen and 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 it's funny because i i was a big fan of that that show the expanse i mean i guess it's still i guess it's still on i think it, it moved to amazon or moved to uh anyway but he's on the expanse and it was one of those things where i never put the two together that they were the same guy but you know uh Every time I, I watch Almost Famous, I'm like, "Who is that dude? Like, why do I know that guy's face?" <laughs> and then I finally put it together a couple of weeks ago. Not the best story.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Now, there's a lot of people that just like went off into different paths after this one. You know, like even um, God, what's his name, Eric Stone?
0: Yeah, Stone Street that? from modern, modern Family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: he's the uh, he's the yeah he's the desk attendant at the hotel, yeah, right? Yeah. Him him Big and Nick Swordson,
0: I think, are the two that <laughs> kind of stand out and they're both hotel lobby related. <laughs> and he and he's coming up being the uh, just a couple minutes, I think, uh the Bowie fan, truth remote away.
2: A little bit a little bit of a tease. It's Bowie. So-
0: Um so and and Ben ends his his bit
2: of dialogue here with the word crazy and William likes to repeat it. Yeah. Yeah and that that again that felt a little it felt a little overt like the cover of Rolling Stone magazine crazy. It's like all right we get it as an audience member this is an important moment i understand. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know what it is that there's nothing i enjoy more than insulting and mocking the movies that i love the most. <laughs> Because I, I I love I've probably seen this movie seventy times, okay. and I can find something negative to say about almost every moment. But that's more a me thing. Interesting.
1: <laughs> Man, that's, it's crazy that. Well, I don't mean to be.
2: I, I just said crazy. That's not, <laughs> not meant at all. But um, you're taken with the spirit of Ben Fong Torres.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very taken. Um, it's those things like that that are. Um, so so random and and so uh i i don't know so he he says crazy so much that it's it's almost like begging for uh an iconic moment you know like it's like i can't um, i can't tell you how many people say crazy it's it's like people say crazy to me after the show or they say (laughs) um you know obviously the obvious it's all happening and and so many other quotes but it's like Crazy has said just enough times in this script to where it, it sticks with people after the movie's over,
2: you know, just yeah. enough. If
1: mean, was, we'll... if it was just a little bit over, maybe a little obnoxious. If it was a little under, it wouldn't be as iconic.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, clearly this is something that, that I guess Ben Fong Torres must've said on a regular basis. And, and I'm sure for amongst the people who saw the movie that, you know, had history with Rolling Stone, I'm sure that was like a really awesome moment for them to be like, Oh my God, that's totally what he says, you know? Right. Um, but, but yeah, it's just the, the, the fact that he repeats the cover of Rolling Stone magazine, that that's just, it's just to me, it's a little too on the nose. Like, yes, we get it. This is a big deal. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I did a little uh, reading, just, you know, uh, Wikipedia-ing of uh, Ben Fong Torres. I, I don't know if you guys have discussed this or not, but, that his father came to America from China and posed as Filipino to avoid the Chinese Exclusion Act. That what? He was a, yeah, that he was, a, he was a Chinese man, his father, a full 100% Chinese. But because the Chinese Exclusion Act was in effect at the time, he, he came over and he called himself Ricardo Torres. Uh, mm. and posed as Filipino as a way to to avoid it. And so that then uh, later, once they were wow. settled in uh, San Francisco or the, you know, Northern California, they made, uh, I guess his original name was Fong and then Ben Fong Torres, like just kind of combine them to, to sort of re-embrace his Chinese heritage. So mm. I thought that was uh, cool. kind of interesting. Yeah.
1: Wow. That's, that's so interesting. Wow.
2: Yeah. When you hear, you know, you think of this stuff as being ancient history, you know, you hear things like the Chinese Exclusion Act or, you know, Japanese internment camps and these, and you think, oh my God, these horrible things that happened in yesteryear. It's like, nope, that's one generation in the past. That's not not distant future at all, Uh or distant past rather. Jeez, Uh that is,
1: that's really interesting. I actually, I've, I've kind of wondered about his name a little bit. So that's, that's very interesting.
0: Yeah. Uh, now we are ending the phone conversation but one one thing I just realized I don't know if we I don't know if we mentioned it last minute uh, Casey is is you know so in your production are you know you're having this phone call there and and what's that what's that like are you is is Ben actually on the stage or is, is it piped in
1: oh uh, yeah that's a good that's a good question yeah Ben is on the stage um he's kind of off in his uh a little um bubble of his own that's kind of represented through lighting you can Mm -hmm. see that he's in a different space than than i am and um he's there with uh god what's his name david felton yeah and um in the movie played by Rain Wilson. yeah rain rain wilson right um in the show
2: one of the most annoyingly muggy performances in film history by the way I'm I, I just, just
0: getting prepared for playing Dwight. Sure. Yeah, it's just
2: too much. It is too much the way he has the cigarette holder and he's like nodding and those like like yeah. We oh, I love it. it. I love you're, it. I think oh, it's so hate cool. it. You're we get it. You're quirky. <laughs> I, I love him. I think he's so funny. I mean, he uh-huh. is funny. He's incredibly talented. I just think that that this that his role in Almost Famous is like it it it's it feels like it's from a different movie to me. You know what mm. I mean. Like it feels like he's doing some sort of slapsticky sort of, uh, kind of almost like naked gunny type performance or you know <laughs> airplane type performance in this movie that is mostly realistic. But that's again, like I said, I love this movie. I can insult every minute of it. Interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Yes. Yeah, so, so he's on stage with me, and and we just kind of talk through there. It's it's pretty cool.
2: Now, uh, I'm sure I'm sure you've already covered this, Casey. I don't mean to uh really oh, re- okay. old stuff but are how many of the songs the stillwater songs are they are they in the musical are any of them actual just fever dog just fever dog okay and are the rest of the songs original songs or is it like a jukebox musical kind of thing
1: it's uh it's half and half um it's a little more original um than than uh jukebox but there's there are a lot of 70s um hits in there um Something some the from air, the soundtrack probably. Um, yeah, something in there in the air was, uh, I believe in a workshop of it, but, Mm -hmm. um, but we have, um, we have some other songs kind of in the feel of something in the air. And, uh, like, for example, like, uh, we have, we have tiny dancer, which is from the soundtrack. And then we have, um, uh, there's a couple more in there that are from the soundtrack of the movie, but then there's a few in there that are just not even in the soundtrack of the movie, but they're from the Mm seventies. Um, but yeah.
0: Um, and then we get plexia. We're finally finding out what she wanted. Yeah, right. <laughs> I want <laughs> <Cliffhanger>. some coffee.
2: <laughs> what an interesting career Anna Paquin's had. Like, you know, yeah. somebody who, you know, made such a massive splash in the piano and then kind of this movie sort of took place in those sort of middle years where people didn't really know what to do with her. And then to you know, have true blood kind of have be her vehicle for a thousand years, however long that show ran. But, um, but yeah, I've always, I've always liked her and I, I was always happy to kind of see her have continued success. And I wish that she had been in this movie more because I think she's great in it.
1: Um, I was listening to the interviews. I don't know if you guys listened to that podcast uh, that um, was kind of like the 20 year anniversary and they interviewed oh, yeah. all the people from the movie. Um, just recently came out so I was listening to that and um, Patrick was talking about how you know obviously he originally had a crush on Kate and then uh, and then he had a crush on um, Anna and then he had a, pa- a crush on uh, um, Faruza and I, I was like that's that's so me that sounds like me like if I had been <laughs> on that set if I had been on that set I, I I mean of course you're gonna fall in love with Kate Hudson but but man, Anna's Anna was his age, you know. Anna was his age. Sure. At the
2: yeah. She she's yeah,
1: still in school, yeah. and um,
2: and to have to have those kind of scenes, those sort of romantic coming of age sexual scenes, while you yourself are sexually coming of age, had to be just like <laughs> the worst sort of sort of stress boners uh like like
1: (laughs) he talked he talked about how he was was scared of that scene because he was like i need to wear a dancer's belt because i was worried worried about you know oh absolutely it was it was funny it was such a good interview
2: yeah that is like the sweetest of all tortures i imagine (laughs) this poor kid who's never been a movie before and now he's in front of like a hundred people you know sporting full wood
1: and one of them has an oscar
2: (laughs) yeah exactly
0: (laughs) And, and I do have a uh, episode title now for sure. Stress, stress, <laughs> stress boners. Yeah. <laughs> Always looking.
2: Yeah, Faruza Balk is another one. Like, like she. I don't. I can't think of anything she's ever not been good in. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, I kind of wonder, you know, I mean, you never know what, where, where people's lives are. I mean, you always, whenever somebody's been in movies and they stop being in a lot of movies, you always think like, what happened to so-and-so? It's like, it's entirely possible that she moved on with her life and is interested in different things and et cetera and so forth. But in terms of pure talent, I mean, she's, she's been great in everything. And so I, I would, I kind of hope that, that she gets something to, to really kick ass in again.
1: Yeah. It looks like she's doing the show called Paradise City right now it's a tv show and then uh hmm. yeah it it actually does look like she's she's been working every once in a while it's like uh like about a project a year or a yeah. project every couple of years um but i'm sure you know she just had banger after banger in the beginning of her of her career yeah. she's she's living man she's living off
0: that <laughs> those,
2: those those checks coming in those every month sweet ass american history X royalty checks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> um and we also get the other uh kind of continuation of something that was being said a good uh, uh two minutes ago or i i would say now um that greenville is so boring
2: yeah is is greenville north carolina is that yeah so yeah because i think, so. yeah. Cause I, think I, I think i did a college gig once at unc game. greenville and there were hay bales next to the stage yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> so they weren't lying I don't know. That's pretty exciting. If you ask me, that's pretty it, cool. It was like a homecoming weekend kind of thing. So they yeah. might've been aesthetic hay bales, but it was like an outdoor show inside like a tent and they had like hay bales everywhere. And so yeah, I'm pretty sure that was Greenville, North Carolina. Hay bales used as
1: aesthetic gives me like
2: footloose remake vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Like a high school production of footloose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just take a couple hay bales up there. They'll get it. It's the country, you know, country folk put up a hay bale there
1: <laughs> yeah um william's saying i never i've never written anything more than a few pages in my whole life is is so interesting because when i really think about you know essays or, or anything i've written you know i've written screenplays which are really easy to get a, you know a lot of things out of you know you can get a lot of pages of screenplay out but but really it's just you know pages of of an interview interviews and about this one band that you're traveling around with and when you're also battling the internal um issue of of what can i tell them what can i write down and then versus um you know what what are the guys gonna like at rolling stone and what are the guys gonna like in the band so it's like when when you really think about the two of those issues against each other i mean he's not really left with much you know like He's not really left with a lot of material that can please both sides. So it's like, you know, when he's saying, I've never written more than a few pages in my life. um, That's scary enough on its own, like writing a whole bunch of pages of, you know, so many thousands of words, that's scary enough. But then, you know, uh, coupled with the fact that he just doesn't know what he's going to actually put on that, on that paper.
2: Well yeah, and especially, you know, sometimes, you know, deadlines are brutal obviously, but sometimes they're the thing that makes you sort of get yeah. essential with what you're trying <laughs> to say because without mm-hmm. that deadline everything is just vague and sort of in the in the ether and sometimes it's like, oh no, I have to have this done tomorrow. I just have to pick something and I can't really overthink it anymore and I have to sort of pick okay. a focus and, you know, I wish I didn't work that way when I try to write things. If I don't have a deadline, it probably isn't going to get done because I just, I spend too much time creating outlines and making notes and doing all these random things. And I need that sort of ticking clock. And uh, you know, I think the movie sort of captures that, you know, pretty well. I can't imagine what it was like to get a deadline in the era before, you know, Microsoft word or, you know, (laughs) where, where all of a sudden you're trying to write something from scratch on paper or on a typewriter. I can't even fathom that. Like think of how much, think of how much of writing now is really sort of self editing as you go. It's I'm going to move this paragraph up here. Think about like getting three pages into an article and realizing that the, the, the most recent paragraph you wrote is how the piece should start. Well, now that's not really a big deal. You just move it up there. But back then it's like, what do you do? Am I going to start from scratch and type this whole motherfucker? Like from the, uh, you know, that does give me sort of agita when I think of what being a writer meant back then, uh, you know, and how, I mean, in many ways, I guess some of the tools we have now, help procrastinate because you can kind of play with things until it becomes meaningless. But, but yeah, that, that scene of him sitting in the bathtub with like all the post-its and you know, that's just, that's a nightmare scenario to me. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Hey listener, are you registered to vote? Headcount is a nonpartisan organization that works with the music and entertainment industry to get fans to vote. To update or check your voter registration status, go to headcount.org where you will find all the information you need to be ready for election day. Are you registered to vote at your current address? More than 60% of eligible voters have never been asked to register. Headcount.org is working to change that. Register to vote at headcount.org. Yeah, and 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 Sapphire does a great job at uh, you know, and you know,
2: trying to give him the confidence. <laughs> Don't worry, baby, you will, you know. Well, sure. that and that, that's such a that's such a great like uh <laughs> you know, it's it's like when my mom, like when your mom says like, you should go on Jay Leno or something. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's such a, it's a piece of advice that's completely unhelpful. And it's like, you appreciate, you know, but it's, it's based on nothing. Oh, you'll do it, honey. It's like, okay, well, thank the re- you.
1: Relationship but- <laughs> between these, these, them, which kind of actually goes down to the line, which we'll, you know, we'll yeah. probably get to in a little bit, but, but you know, you're right. It is so much like like a mother, mother, son relate, which is weird. It's like their siblings or they're, or they're, they're her, his mothers. It's, it's funny because it's like, you've, we've all been in that situation where you, you know, you are close with, or you're intimate with someone and then they just act a little too comfortable with you. And you're like, wait, but didn't we just like I mean, yeah, hey, where, where's the sex? mystique like <laughs>
2: you're, you're supposed to think of me as sort of like an unknowable God, not like, we... <laughs> not like, oh, you're so, and hu- you're like you're so sweet honey.
1: asking me to take out the laundry. And it's just like it's so it's so random because it's like, you know, th- this kid is thinking right now. He's like, wait, these people, these girls think of me as, you know, a, a sex figure or they, they think of me as as something different. And then they're like, take out the laundry or they're saying, don't worry. You will baby. Or don't baby. Don't worry, baby. You will. And it's, um, that's such, it's such a, well, and
2: it's clearly a confirmation that you didn't rock anyone's world.
1: I guess. Yeah. Right. I guess that really is. It
2: really is like, okay, well, I guess that I inspire no intimidation at all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, and this, what's happened here, this deflowering, I mean, it was totally in in service of him. It was not, yeah, for them to get much
1: out of.
2: You know? Yeah, as she says, this is like a thing to pass the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they have the satisfaction of knowing they took his their virginity, which, from what I understand, was very important mm-hmm. to them. That was kind of their entire drive okay. to do
2: that. Well, you know, and a lot of things about this movie play differently in 2020 than they did in 2000, and certainly than they did in the era in which it's staged. You know, a lot of a lot of that sort of like 70s rock band being on the road, fucking groupies type thing, you know, it strikes me as very different, you know, uh, I don't want to use a cliche, but post me too, um, when you think that these are teenagers and how much, you know, uh, control or did they really have over any of these situations and how much leverage do they have with these massive rock stars? And I love this movie, but it probably portrays them as being a little bit more cavalier and in control than they actually felt. If you were, you know, if you were to go back and sort of meet these girls at the time, I don't know that they would have felt quite so like, yeah, I fucked a guy last night. I'm going to fuck another guy. I mean, you know, th- that that can kind of hide a lot of uh, damage, shall we say, um, you know, and I guess that's not what this movie's about. This movie's fun. But, you know, I, I was a huge Led Zeppelin fan growing up and you, you read Hammer of the Gods, which is the sort of definitive Led Zeppelin biography, and it talks about all of these groupies. You know uh, Lori Maddox, who was sort of a famous uh, Jimmy Page's girlfriend. Then you find out she was, you know, I think fourteen when they hooked up, and you're yeah. like, "Have mm-hmm. you met fourteen year olds? <laughs> like, do you really think that a fourteen year old is going to exhibit that sort of that level of control and confidence in a sexual relationship with a twenty eight year old millionaire?" Uh, you know, not to not to <laughs> bring everybody down, but you you know things play a little differently now. Like there's a, there's an anecdote in Hammer the Gods, a famous one where. John Bonham and I think John Bonham and Robert Plant like they have sex with a woman with a um, a mud shark or a red snapper like they, they penetrate her with a fish and it's kind of stages oh. like the road is so crazy and we got so bored that this is these are the sort of fun games we started to do and then Wait, it, what movie is this it's in the, the a book called hammer of the gods which is a, a famous uh, biography of Led Zeppelin. Um, wow, but yeah, if you look up um Led Zeppelin mud shark or Led Zeppelin red Snapper, you'll find uh people you'll find some writing about it. but then then I think to myself, like, what the hell was this poor girl <laughs> going through yeah. at the time? Mm. And I'm not trying to be a bummer, but you know, uh the idea of sort of the groupies as being completely in control is to a degree a convenient lie we tell to ourselves because the truth of the situation is a little less clean mm-hmm. you know um again not to be a bummer <laughs> that's that's sort of that's sort of the way that uh my thinking about these situations has changed in my uh in my older years maybe it's because i'm in my 40s and theoretically one of these girls could be my daughter if i had kids but mm-hmm. um but yeah it's uh, anyway so some of that sort of uh some of the groupie scenes play a little different to me now than they probably did at the time
0: yeah and, and yeah, that's yeah. definitely how i addressed the two minutes ago uh you know, Start of the you know, the flowering the the you know, when they're actually you know forcing him to leave Penny in the in the bathroom and and forcing him to sit down and doing all these forceful things until I mean there's a, certainly the point where he does you know realize yeah he actually you know it's it's you know he wants to, it to be with Penny of course of course yeah.
2: Well I'm sure Cameron Crow experienced it that way. He was a teenager at the time. I'm sure he experienced mm-hmm. it as being like a really fun, silly, goofy situation. But uh but any you know, I'm not again, it's uh it's just it's just yeah. as times change, some of the some of these scenes I, I I see differently than I did at the time.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Um I Penny Trumbull, who Penny Lane mm-hmm. is partially based on, um, came to the um the musical and I got to talk to her a little bit and um, it's kind of interesting because I, you know, I, I'm not a Band Aid, So I didn't, I didn't ask uh, a lot of questions about the band-aids themselves. I was obviously asking Cameron most questions about William and, and him and, and stuff like that. So I'd be very interested to have this conversation with the girls who actually played the band-aids because they, they know way more about it than I do. Oh. Mm-hmm. But um just from my few conversations with penny it was very interesting because it seemed it seems very very close to to how it was represented in the film um and 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 that's not to say that what you're saying isn't isn't you know r- right um but it's it, it does did, did definitely seem that these girls whether or not they were in control they felt they felt very very much
2: they didn't feel Um, exploited or anything no no
1: they didn't and it was because that you know that whole dialogue at the beginning where they're like they're saying we're not just sex objects we are um we are the inspiration for the music we might have sex with them but it's like that's not why we're here which is you know it what and it's kind of tongue in cheek because there is a joke in there. It's like, we don't have sex with them. Just blow jobs, which is, you know, a funny line. Yeah. It's a great line, but it's like, okay. Like it's pretty obvious in that line that it's like, yeah, they do have sex with them, but they don't, at least in their minds, yeah. they're not there for that. Sure. You know? Sure. And at
2: I least- don't mean to pretend that, that, that you can place a contemporary uh, filter on every uh, movie that was either Produced in the past or is set in the past. I mean, things have their own separate reality. I mean, it it was different then because I don't think it necessarily would have occurred to uh teenage girls, or and certainly not to the rock stars, that there was anything really untoward about this. I mean, you you hear, you know, my, my wife and I both kind of grew up listening to hair metal, and so when we're in the car, we drove home from uh we drove about three hours today and we were listening to the the serious xm hair metal station and so many of the songs involve like fucking teenage girls and it's treated as kind of like a right right guys like isn't this what every dude wants to do and in the only negative aspect of having sex with teenage girl is like will you get caught and do you know how old she is not like like Oh my God, she's hell? Like there's, it, it's like a consistent theme, in like Bon Jovi songs, and obviously a lot of Van Halen songs, and things like that. And nobody at the time thought like, oh, I'm a, I'm a scumbag, I'm a statutory rapist. Like they were existing within that sort of social context, mm-hmm. and so it's like I'm not trying to say that like all the girls that you know were quote unquote band aids or groupies or whatever title you want to use were were secretly exploited, and now we're kind of making up the fact that they were enjoying it but it's just like it's impossible for me as a person living in 2020 to watch these scenes and not sort of see those power dynamics in a way that I didn't you know when I when yeah. I was younger and I thought like man now life on the road looks awesome
1: right yeah 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 there is really definitely a a beautiful sad which is you know I it's interesting that you say people kind of kind of clown on on Cameron for the whole the whole uh, happy, sad thing, which I think is, is actually, I mean, I, I haven't heard anyone clown on it. I've only heard people say that's why they love his movies, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the beautiful sadness to it. And that's what this whole movie really is just this. Cause someone asked me and I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I get really annoyed when you, when actors are asked on talk shows to describe the movie they're in or the musical they're in. And they always start with their character. All, you uh, you will you'll see it nowadays you'll just yeah. they'll be like okay so what's the movie about and they'll be like well my character does this and you're and it just always starts with their character and for some reason that's always gotten under my skin so someone asked me what almost famous is about and i gave a horrible answer because trying to describe what almost famous is about without mentioning william is 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 virtually impossible but <laughs> um i i try to give a description and. It was more along the lines of the beautiful sadness of, of these guys' life on tour on mm-hmm. in the '70s. You know, the '70s. You you see all these documentaries come out about rock stars in the '70s and and and, and groupies and band aids from the '70s, and it's just they were there. The the drugs had no consequences. The the sex had no consequences. These were all things that just had no consequences. So everyone looks back at the '70s. That was in that scene with these rose-colored glasses because sure. the the problems didn't happen till later. You know, yeah, the yeah. heartbreak and the and the the illnesses and all of that didn't start happening till. till it was kind eight. of
2: before Coke totally took over. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was still yeah, and everyone of... was doing Coke.
1: It's just <laughs> no one really. I mean, it's like people knew it was bad, but it was like the consequences came later.
2: Yeah. It wasn't like a, like it was still, it was still half in the weed culture and only it started to dip into Coke and heroin (laughs) later just you know, but.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I, so I, I think I totally understand what you're saying, Christian. It's, it's, you know, it's just, it's, it, it's shown to be this beautiful moment and this beautiful thing between them and, and you kind of do look at them and you're like, you, you know, especially the first time you watch it when you're young, you're like, wow, like ah like that's they have a cute little relationship cute little dynamic you know well, I mean this and...
2: minute particularly I mean the, you know the the them having sex with William is like a genuinely sweet moment cuz it is teenagers having sex with teenagers <laughs> you know there there are no real power dynamics at play or anything mm. like that um you know it's it's later in the minute when uh you know when he's taking out the laundry and he yep. passes by the door with is a <laughs> Beth from Denver is that her name yep. the character oh yeah uh you know and she's in uh The manager Noah Taylor, I can't remember the character's name, but uh, the character Noah Taylor, but yeah, that 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 to me is a little bit more like, oh yeah, and it's all scummy. (laughs) (laughs) That's where she went. Yeah.
0: Uh, But yeah, so I, you know, William William back back to him, his mind being on Russell. But immediately Sapphire says, "Will you take the laundry?" and and then he has this great line, and I I feel like I, this is one I've 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 at least thought in my head. I don't know if I've said it out loud <laughs> very well, but you know, what am I to you?
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, it, you know, and again, and I hate to feel like yeah. I'm I'm constantly saying things that sound negative because it's not a negative in my mind, but to me, William. Uh, is it William Fugit Patrick Fugit rather um, this is one of the all time great bad performances in movie history. Like, <laughs> yeah. cause he's clearly an amateur, like he's not, he's not f- a full fledged actor yet. You know, he's, mm-hmm. you can tell he's not, doesn't have a lot of experience, but that totally completely works with the character. And so when he sort of puts a big show of getting angry on, he looks like a guy pretending to be more angry than he actually yeah. is. Which completely works, because that is exactly how a teenager would deal with the situation. Like, I feel like I should get upset right now. Like, what Mm -hmm. am I to you? You know, it's it's uh, (laughs) it's it feels like a kid performing in a high school play. Uh, which completely works for this character, um, but yeah, I, I love I love that scene for that reason.
0: Because obviously, as we see in the next scene, as you already were pointing out, that you know they 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 come back with something and get him to actually do it, you know. Yeah. Whereas you know, I mean, gosh, you know, I mean, that, based that's on a, what he said, you know, that wasn't going to happen.
2: Well, that's such a classic, you know, yeah. comedy yeah. Uh, device is to be like. I would never go to that store. Cut to him walking into that store. <laughs> you know, that's the, um, but um, yeah, it's a lot of laundry they had, I will say. <laughs>
0: um, th- so this is just before, before we, I think wrap up pretty soon. Um, uh, so this is what I was talking about before a deleted scene. So, and it's not even a scene. It's, it's, it's a, it's a cut <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, and it's actually, uh, the, the, the little bit of ADR that's happened that must be happening here, or at least it was copied around and moved around a bit. You can actually hear the, uh, hear the, uh, the bell boy, you know, uh, with his line Um, what is that, uh, uh, excuse me, sir, would you mind signing for this, you know, that, mm-hmm. um, that that happens just a you know essentially at the same time and that but the rest is the rest of the video is shifted because they cut in a a, a quick shot to a, a previous door in the hallway, william peeking in and seeing jeff uh strumming the guitar just a little bit just i mean for the briefest of a second
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh so so that line does get uh or actually ends up being i think roughly in the same place and then but then the video after it shifting down a little bit so um, but yeah, like you said, you know, it's, it's Dick's room that he comes to next with, uh, Beth from Denver and that's, that's Olivia Rosewood, by the way, too. I think you did say Noah Holly. Uh,
1: which,
0: no, which, Noah Taylor which, is that the or actor. Noah Taylor. That's yeah, right. Noah Taylor, yeah. I, I did that before, man.
2: No, Holly's the Once Fargo before. guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm so excited for the <laughs> new season coming up here. Um, yeah. I'll well, add it to the eight. I mean, I love Fargo, but it's just like, yeah. I. I don't know if I have mental bandwidth for more shows right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, a I tough. and I, I will absolutely watch mm. it the second it comes yeah. out.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, but the idea that uh, Beth uh, did move move down the hall the hallway to <laughs> get get over to Dick's room at some point during the night after this. Uh, yeah, it's like the the the, f-
2: the frivolous fun of deflowering a yeah. teenage boy is now out of the way and now it's time to get back to the agenda. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, was there anything I think I'm, I'm done, you know, I, think, I mean, that's... I think we're at the end of the minute.
0: Yeah. William with his crazy bags of laundry there. Struggling a bit and we'll see more of that next minute. That's for sure. But, uh, first, uh, I think we want, uh, from, from you, uh, uh, Christian, um, the four bands that are most commonly make, make up, uh, I believe to make up uh, Stillwater. Mm-hmm. If you could rank them from least favorite or to favorite or vice versa, whichever okay. way, just let us know what that is. But then uh, I'll tell you the four now. And I and you, you declined. Uh, it seemed like you declined, and we didn't get around to it at least. Um, so the four bands are uh, Almond Brothers Band, Eagles, Led Zeppelin, and Leonard Skynyrd.
2: Well, um, I mean, I can put the I can put Led Zeppelin tops. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, in terms of, you know, it sounds weird that the next band for me, huh, it depends whether I want to say whether I think they're good or whether I like them, if that makes <laughs> sense. I grew up, my dad loved the Eagles, uh, loved them in every car ride growing up, a, Eagles Grace Sits volume one and volume two mm-hmm. played. And so I know the, these. I know those songs on a cellular level. Uh, like I know every drum fill, every guitar riff, to the extent where I'm not even entirely sure if I like them or not. I just know them. Um, but I'm going to put the Eagles next, just because I do. There, are, there are. It's hard because have you have you guys seen the the story of the Eagles, the like three hour documentary that was made a few years ago? I have not. Oh my god, it's. It's hilarious because they really come across as the least likable people in the world, <laughs> specifically Glenn Frey. And I grew up assuming Glenn Frey was like the nice guy. Like I always knew, oh. Don, I always knew Don Henley was a bit of a prickly fella. Um, that was sort of the vibe he gave off. But Glenn Frey was kind of a jerk. He was like a total jerk to Don Felder and some of the other members of the band. But um, it really, you know, the the sort of megalomania of the Eagles, uh, it really comes through. But there's probably eight or nine Eagle songs that I just absolutely love. Like, I love Take It to the Limit. I love New Kid in Town. I love I Can't Tell You Why. You know, there's a bunch of songs of theirs that I like. So I have to put them number two. Um, and then between Almond Brothers and Leonard Skinner, I will admit neither of whom I am totally crazy about. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I think I would put Almond Brothers third. Because I do like—is it Lucille? Is that the one that plays in uh, "In Almost Famous"? You know that one, that instrumental song. I think—I don't know—I do like that song, and I know it primarily because it was in Guitar Hero. But that's funny. And Leonard Skinnerd—I, you know, I get it. I get that they're a big deal. It just never—it was never my thing. Freebird, if it was. One third as long, I would probably enjoy it, um, and I probably am projecting a lot of, I I kind of always assumed that Leonard Skinnerd was always the sort of right wing band for sort of racists and, and yeah. shit kickers, right? Which is not the case. I I only mm-hmm. found this out recently. Like they came out for like gun control during the Carter administration. Like I I don't remember they like appeared with Jimmy Carter to like try to ban handguns. Uh, so they weren't always like that. I think it was only once uh Ronnie Van Sant is it Ronnie who died or Johnny who died? Oh one of them mm, the main true. dude. I think is Ronnie who died. But um I think it was only later when they got old that they kind of became the sort of uh MAGA band of classic rock. Uh so yeah, I would go Zeppelin, Eagles, Almond Brothers, Skinnered. Uh huh.
0: And in my in my uh master music list for the music appearing in the in the movie, um, uh, for Almond Brothers, only one way out.
2: Okay, one way out. Okay, uh, yeah, I knew yeah. it was. I knew it was yeah. a, an Almond Brother. I I even can see the scene in my head. I just couldn't remember which song it was. Yeah,
0: yeah. They they do have. I I, I, I couldn't have told you that Lucille was one of their songs, but there are two other, uh, girls' names songs, uh, uh Sweet Melissa and oh wait no wait is that Leonard. Ooh. Uh and Jessica. Jessica. Yeah, I honestly I the think scarce Yeah, I, I I can get between the two, I, I kinda go back and forth
2: and get some stuff confused sometimes. Yeah, I hope there's no fact checkers listening. Because <laughs> yeah. I may be completely wrong <laughs> about the titles of, of these songs. But yeah. <laughs> that but that that's the one Almond Brothers song that if it was playing on the radio, I would like not turn. <laughs> Whipping Post, no, nah, too overwrought. Uh what about but, yeah. Simple Man?
0: Yeah, that, that and that's the one Leonard Skinner song that's on. It's in the. Oh, in is the it? Movie.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh yeah.
2: god, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. there are no
0: Eagles Eagles songs in the movie.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think that even even then, even back in two thousand, sort of the the cultural opinion had turned against the Eagles pretty yeah. hardcore, and I don't think that uh, I don't think that that Cameron Crowe would have probably put an Eagles song in because I think that he wanted it to feel. I think it would have been a, like something that that music people bumped on because I think a lot yeah. of music people in the industry mm-hmm. were not fans mm-hmm. of the Eagles, probably <laughs> because of who they were as people more than the music itself. Um, and so I think that he wanted it to feel really like fun and nostalgic for music fans. And I think if he had put an Eagle song in there, they would have been like, "Fuck the Eagles," you know. And I think a lot of that is the fall <laughs> of Big Lebowski as well. Yeah, it's <laughs> an interesting uh, thought.
1: Yeah. Like to know more about, about that. Why why the Eagles aren't in there? I'm sure there's an answer, or an interview somewhere out there. But... Well,
0: and there are also the other you know the other uh, bands that are kind of somewhat considered the one the one that he Cameron Crow I've heard say the most besides those four is Poco. And, Interesting. Uh, huh. And other people have thrown out you know the, I, I've. You know, mostly actually just people I actually am friends with. You know, just bumping into and saying I'm doing this podcast, <laughs> and then Mel mentioned that this this crazy fact about these four bands, and, and they go, "Well, is isn't one of them Three Dog Night? Or Isn't one of them Deep Purple? You know, know Creedence Clearwater uh, maybe? Yeah. I don't know.
2: Yeah, yeah, someone's mentioned that before. Yeah, I guess Creedence would have been a little before this, like yeah, more late '60s, but.
1: Yeah, I think all the major. I think the the reason it's definitely based on the four that you you've said mm-hmm. is that I think, I think they're like in the dialogue. There's definitely like inspiration. I mean, I've I've heard of Deep Purple personally, um, inspiration in there, but uh, I think the actual literal scenes because every every scene in this this movie actually happened. Like actually, these every single scene is is mm-hmm. actually something that you know he actually lived and i think the reason it's those four bands is because they're those the scenes in the movie are really actually based on events that happened with those four bands not just like you know kind of inspiration it's like really based off the real mm-hmm. scenes that happened with those bands
0: and, and for in some cases it's just the matter of like just one member of the band you know mm-hmm. i mean especially yeah. like for the allman brothers and and uh, I often get confused between <laughs> Greg and Dwayne, <laughs> which, yeah. which, which one died, you know, way back then. And
1: then, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. Dwayne, the other Dwayne one died first.
0: passed,
1: yeah. Yep. Wait, did Dwayne die, in fir- die first or last? I forgot. Think,
0: yeah, I think he did. I'm so bad I first. I, don't
1: know. I just know that there's a, there's a joke about um bummed Dwayne out before he died.
2: Is that in the movie?
1: That doesn't sound familiar. Oh, well, there it is. I just spoiled the show. Nah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) To quote, to quote another great band. Whoop, There it is. (laughs) (laughs) I remember I'm an old man and I remember I had just moved to New York city in the early nineties to go to college. And I was walking outside of tower records on Broadway and fourth street. Uh, and, uh, tag team which was the band that did whoop there it is uh it was when that song was popular and they were doing some sort of promo shoot and they were all standing there and there was like the most classic cliche record company douchebag looking guy (laughs) like like guy with like a high very high ponytail you know that was like way too short to be a ponytail but it pulled it back and (laughs) just the squarest dorkiest looking dude in the world and i remember him saying to everybody uh all right party people uh, I'd like to get a whoop there it is started <laughs> and, uh, I'll always rest in my head in awkward white guy history <laughs> uh,
0: that's great um so uh Christian, why't you why don't you just take us into uh some plugs you know what plugs. How, how you find you
2: People can find me on ye old Twitter machine at Christ Finnegan. Uh, C-H-R-I-S-T-F-I-N-N-E-G-A-N. Um, I have four albums on iTunes and a couple specials that you can uh, find online. My latest album is called 60% Joking. I am in the process of editing a, n- a new special that I recorded in the middle of COVID in a tiny socially distanced backyard with not uh, not a tiny backyard, but a tiny audience of 28 in a, in a backyard. Um, and that will hopefully be something that is released sometime towards the end of 2020. I hope, I don't know exactly what the schedule is for that, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the best way to find me is probably on Twitter. I, I don't do Facebook or Instagram cause I, it's just too much for me. It's too much. Um, but yeah, yeah. so with that
0: backyard thing, you actually will actually hear some, some laughing versus the horn that I've been hearing so much about.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yes. Do the, <laughs> yeah luckily it's since in, in a backyard there's there there is one there is one very audible siren that goes off at one point in the show um but i just you know i i, I just called it the hilarity police yeah um but yeah but you can find my stuff online um don't bother going to my website no nobody cares about websites anymore and i haven't updated it since 1933 um but yeah the best best way to find me is probably on twitter
0: that's great. That's, that's definitely some stuff I'm gonna actually look out for now, and can't wait. Um, then, uh, Casey,
1: how can people find you? Um, what are you, you up to? Can, you can find me at Just Casey Likes. Uh, it's uh in the it Just is in the is in the name, so um at J U S T, you know Casey Likes, and uh, and right now I'm just kind of kind of. Traveling, working on some of my own stuff, uh, some other stuff. And, uh, I'm trying to make some, some short films. So if you guys want some, uh, indie stupid children, short films, uh, and when I say children, short films, it means, um, I'm like two years old and I'm making it. So, uh, don't expect much, but I'm, I am doing that. So yeah, check me out on Instagram, Twitter, pretty much every single social media. Um, uh and i guess what you said you don't do facebook christian
2: i i mean i have a facebook account but i i i I hate it with a passion i tried to cancel it and it wouldn't let me
1: (laughs) i think i love it because i think that's where honestly most of my support comes from i think you just find you know I, i i call them the facebook moms (laughs) Uh,
2: like of your your mom's friends and then that's I guess what I'm terrified of that's probably why I avoid it it's like I don't really want (laughs) to hear my uncle get mad because I used the lord's name in vain (laughs) (laughs) oh okay
1: that's actually that is a very accurate argument yeah well in that case guys can find me on facebook I'm just kidding um
0: that's it. Yeah, yeah. thank you both so much. You've done a great job. Uh, Casey, hopefully, like I said, uh, in, this, in the next couple of minutes, I uh, should show back up. And uh, Christian, further down the line, I do have you definitely pegged in for one more. Very, very close to the end uh, of the movie. I very
2: you exciting. Can, since you're a big
0: I fan. Fired? What's up?
1: Am, am I getting fired from my co-host position after this? <laughs> after the next two, you're... you're, you're you know, your contract
0: clearly states general. the four <laughs> the four episodes. I'm not
1: even demoted after the next two. I'm just fired in general. Yes.
2: The cu- The clock is ticking.
1: Okay, great. <laughs> I'll have to make these next two count then. Cool. All, all right, right dudes.
0: You yeah, thanks so much. And until next time, minute 70 next week. Until then, it's all happening.
2: It's all, it's happening. all happening. I am a golden god! Yeah!
1: Queen
3: of Hearts is always your best bet. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football